Welcome to the Self-Awareness and Self-Compassion Podcast, formerly known as the Full Spectrum Feeling Podcast. I'm your host, Blaise Schwaller, life coach, mom, and former tattoo artist. I help people heal their past, speak their truth, and love the lives that they're living now. Join me here every week for conversations on how to live an imperfect but fully engaged life that embraces all the feels so that you can stretch into your best life while enjoying the you that's here right now. Hello, my lovelies. Today, I wanted to talk about my experience with my cat, Mabel. And the reason I want to talk about it is because she's one of the bravest creatures that I've ever known. And I'm just fascinated by what we've been able to create together, how she's become a part of our family. So my cat, Mabel, is a feral cat that we met at our old house in Griswold. We lived kind of out in the country in the woods near a marsh. There was a lot of feral cats. And one day there was this scrappy little feral cat in the backyard. I think she was still a kitten. And recently we had lost our cat, Sherazad, that we had had for about nine or 10 years. After the loss of Sherazad, I was completely devastated and heartbroken. That girl was really my best friend and got me through so many years of tattooing and having a completely opposite schedule from my husband. So I saw, you know, my cat more than I saw my husband. And, you know, she shared the good times and the bad times and the stress, and she was there for all of it. So when she died, I felt like I had lost a best friend and I felt like I never wanted to have another pet again. I was just so sad and lost. And I had gotten rid of all of our cat things because it just broke my heart too much to have them in the house. My heart wasn't ready for that. So a few months later, probably, you know, as as the universe does, it was like a week or two after I had distributed all of the cat supplies to other cat owners. And, you know, we didn't have any, anything, no cat dish, no cat bowl, no scratching posts, nothing. But this little cat showed up in our backyard and it was early fall, starting to get a little cool, but not too bad. And my husband was doing dishes and looked out and he's like, Oh, blaze, there's a cat in the yard. And I looked at him and went, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. And he's like, I'm getting a can of tuna. I looked at him and I I had the look. I'm like, if you do this, you know what that means. Do you really want that? And he said, yeah, it's okay. Go for it. So I went out with this can of tuna and I saw this little gray cat with a slight marbling kind of effect on her fur. You know, she looks like one of those um, Winslow paintings of a cat in the window. She looks exactly like a painting that I've seen. But I saw her and I cracked this little can open and went outside and I I called out to her like, hey little cat. And the name comes to me Mabel, not Marble, but Mabel. Like, hey Miss Mabel, why don't you come over and get some food? And you know, she ran away from my voice at first, but she could smell that tuna on the wind. And she creeped up behind the pine tree 
in the backyard. She was kind of peeking. And this is not the first time that I've worked with wild animals. Uh, I've definitely done this with chipmunks before and squirrels and birds. You know, you go out and you wait. So there's this big waiting game. And I put down the can and I made sure she watched me put it down. And then I backed away and I sat very far down the driveway so that if she approached it, I would be nowhere near. And she knew she could run away faster than I could get to her. But I just sat there for an hour (laughs) waiting for this little cat to come and be brave enough to come get the food, but know that I wasn't going to leave. And she did. And she came up and she ate it. And, you know, every puff of breeze, every sound of like a tree branch cracking made her jump a little bit and want to run away. I said, okay, we're going to do this again tomorrow. So then every day, if we saw the cat, we'd go out, another can of tuna, see if we can feed her. And after about a week of this, I could go out and I decided to make her a song. It's like, you know what I'll do? I'll make a song for Miss Mabel. So the song goes like this. Miss Mabel, Miss Mabel, we love you so, Miss Mabel. Miss Mabel, Miss Mabel, Miss Mabel, we love you. And she, I'd sing that every time I put out the tuna. So then if I didn't see her, I could go out, crack the can of tuna and sing the song. And she eventually would come running. And, you know, over the course of days, we move the can of tuna closer to where I'm sitting or I'm moving closer to the tuna. And then one day I'm holding the tuna and she runs over and I put it down and I try to touch her. And there's just this slow build of trust between this wild creature and myself. And am I able to touch the top of her head or the, I didn't even try for the top of her head, to be honest. I was always going for outside flank somewhere, not threatening somewhere where I'm not looming above her, even though I'm this huge creature and she's this tiny little cat. And, you know, she let me touch her and I could tell that, you know, she's tight as a bow. She's so stressed and scared, but she's hungry and she wants that connection. And again, over a few days, I find I'm able to pet her on her sides and she's beginning to purr while she's eating. And part of it is fear and part of it is excitement about the food and knowing that I'm there to help but she would never stick around, right? We'd put down the food, she'd eat it, she'd let me touch her a few times, she'd run away. And this poor little cat is covered in ticks, and it's me, you know, wanting to help pull off ticks, but not wanting to hurt her at the same time. So sometimes I could get a tick off while she's eating, sometimes I couldn't. One day, she comes over, and I'm now able to pet her pretty well, while she's eating and a little bit before and after she's eating and then she'll leave. But I get to the point that she's hanging out with me a little bit after and we're sitting on the deck. Super fun. And the neighbor's dog comes over and the panic that you can feel coming off of this little cat is like electricity and her eyes are huge and she's ready to run away And I stand up and I yell at the dog. I think the dog's name is Fred. Like, Fred, get out of here. You're not welcome. 
and standing up really abruptly, which of course scares Mabel, but it scares the dog too. And staring down the dog and almost um, growling at him to get him to leave the yard. And what was incredible about that experience, one is that, you know, the dog wasn't supposed to be in our yard and knew it. So he had tail between his legs and left across the road and went home and he just wanted to come over to play, but he got shot down. But Mabel, the turnaround in that interaction, she looked at me like I spoke her language, that I had just protected her from this predator. And it was the first time that she actually chose to curl up next to me. So I, you know, had come back and sat on the deck and she came back on the deck and she huddled in against my leg and she only had one leg poised for running, but the other three were tucked underneath her and she purred and she closed her eyes and she took a little nap with me. And I remember that day so well because it was freezing outside. I was so cold and I just thought, you know, this is such a milestone moment with this little cat that I don't want to leave. Like she is showing me this incredible leap of trust and we've really had something happen here in this moment. So I'm just going to suck it up and be cold. So she napped for about a half hour and then, you know, did a little chirp and got up and left. And I went inside and spent a good long time with my hands around a cup of tea piling on blankets because I was so cold, but I was so happy in my heart that I had met this little creature. I'd met this cat. And I knew that from that moment, we were friends. It was more than just um, me leaving food for her. It was more than just coming to get treats. It was knowing that I would stand up for her and I wasn't just a food dispenser. So days later, I'm talking with my husband about, are we going to adopt this cat? What are we going to do? And we decide, okay, this is something we we can try and do and we should do it before winter because this poor cat's going to freeze to death out there. And we see that she has, you know, a, a little cut in her ear from running away from something. She has these terrible ticks that we've been pulling off, but she's starting to, to talk with us and it's okay. So I begin to try and get her to eat inside my house. You know, it's so sweet as I'm talking about the story of Mabel. She's on my lap right now and she is purring. She knows I'm talking about her and she's happy. It's my sweet girl. We've come a long way. So I remember I go out with the food and I begin to line the treats up to come inside the kitchen door. I'm like, I need you to come in and eat it inside. And she was so scared of that door. She did not want to come in. And we had a few false steps with the door where one time the wind blew and shut it, even though I had kind of propped it open and it scared her so much. And she didn't know where to go because she had never really been inside a house. So she ran into the living room and she ran so fast. She actually like in two leaps hit the ceiling, like running up the wall, bounced off of that, fell on the floor, scrambled around the corner, ran outside, and I had opened the door, and she ran out. And I didn't see her for a few days after that, and I thought, ah, crap, I've ruined everything. You know, like, there was supposed to be this trust, and now she's scared, and she's terrified of this house, and she's scared of the door, and we're going to have to start from the beginning. 
But what amazed me is, you know, eventually she did. She came back and she was willing to give it a go again. And I was really careful about that door going forward. Oh, yeah, the bravery of this animal and this wildness within her is so amazing. So this slow process, this took us months of every day working together. But I ended up calling the local vet and saying, you know, we have this feral cat and I plan to adopt her, but I know that if I actually succeed in capturing her, that I don't have time to talk to you about when she can come in. I need to bring her in right when it happens. I want her to get screened for all of the feline diseases, defleed and wormed and all that, spay if she hasn't been. I'm sure she hasn't because she's a young cat and uh, find out what's going on. But if, if it happens, I just need to know I can bring her in and not have to worry about it. And they said, yep, that's fine. So then I came up with my plan and the plan was to have her come in and eat her food. And I borrowed a cat carrier from my parents and I put the food in the cat carrier. I was like, well, she comes in and she just follows the food into the cat carrier. I'll just close the door and that'll be it. Then there she is, but there's no one doing it. I can't let her out of the carrier. She has to go right to the vet. So that was my plan. And amazingly, it happened on the first try. I could not believe my luck, this amazing moment where she came in and she had been coming in and eating in our house a few times. And every time she'd come in, I would have this fear or this thrill of like, this is a truly wild animal. I know it's a cat and people have cats, but this cat lives in the woods and we don't know, you know, she, she's unpredictable. What could she do? Will she fight us? Will she freak out? Will she scratch something, bite someone? Like we don't know. And I never, ever felt that from her. She's such a sweet and gentle creature. And her instinct is always to run, never to fight. And I found that to be true on the day that we succeeded in getting her in that carrier. So I bring her to the vet and I drop her off and they had her overnight. And I called to check on her and be like, how are things going? How was her surgery? Is she healthy? Is she okay? And their comment, they pause for a moment. They're like, she's really fast. Was all they would say. I said, oh, she escaped on you, did she? They're like, yeah, but we got her and she's okay. And I said, well, has she figured out a litter box? Nope, has no clue, no concept of what that is. I said, okay, that's not surprising. Good to know. Did she scratch or bite anyone? They're like, nope, she just, she will run away and she'll cower. And I thought, oh gosh, this poor sweet soul, but she's so wanting love. So I bring her home after her surgery and this poor girl has, you know, the cone, the cone of shame around her neck and it's hard for her to eat and it's hard for her to drink. She doesn't know what's been going on. She's been drugged, right? She's had organs removed and she's in a house. And I think to myself, I can't, I can't let her out of this house. It's now, you know, there's snow outside. It's cold. There's nowhere for her to go. She's had surgery. So we're just going to have to cope with this and figure it out. And she basically got out of her carrier and then just hid in the corner of a room for a whole day. And she only came out at night when it was just me and her. And I put on 
Howl's Moving Castle, one of my favorite movies that I used to watch with Sherazad a lot um, after work when I had been tattooing. And I put it on and I told Mabel when she was hiding behind the couch, I said, Mabel, I'm going to put on this show. It was me and my last cat's favorite show. And if you want to come watch it with me, you can. And I was so touched and astounded that she actually did. She came up, she found her way onto the couch and she curled up next to me, just like she had out on the porch that first time that we became friends. And, you know, I just stayed with her all night on the couch. And, you know, we went through the trials and tribulations of figuring out what a litter box is and where it is. And to just see this poor cat, I'll tell you the sad story of Mabel she didn't know where to use the bathroom and she ended up pooping and peeing on the couch, which is not shocking because, you know, she really had to poop and pee. It had been a long time. And where was she going to go? But the look of absolute horror that she had on her face, like this distress of like, I'm trying to cover it, but it's not working. What's happening. Um, you could feel from her like, this isn't good. And Part of that, of course, is, you know, you wouldn't want a predator or something to know where you've been, you know, cover your poop and your pee for that. So the smell is not there. So trying to give her, explain to her, like you can't explain to your cat where the litter box is. I, I set up so many. I had litter boxes all over the living room, down the hallway, into the bathroom. And the only thing that worked was eventually taking a note from one of the cat magazines and saying, you know, I'm just going to put her in the bathroom. It's the smallest room in the house and just have the litter box and just leave her there until she uses it. And she did eventually do that. That was probably sadly a week into having her living in the house. But that was again, another turning point with this beautiful creature where she figures out the litter box and then she just had it down from that moment on and life got easier. And she actually never seemed to want to go outside. She would look out the window, but we could have the door full on open and she wouldn't even approach it. She didn't want to go back out. I think she knew, you know, it's freezing out there and there were predators out there and coyotes. Crazy stuff. My brave little Miss Mabel. So I just find her story so inspiring. And it took about one year. And one year later, she sat on my husband's lap while he was watching TV at night. And I remember thinking like, wow, what a turning point because this animal would kind of sit next to us. We couldn't pick her up, but she might come sit next to us. And then a year later, she's on our laps. And then a few, well, the next year we had our daughter and this cat became this incredible nanny cat. And I've never heard or seen anything like it where we came home with this infant child and this cat who had been so scared of everyone and everything and would always hide and not be seen when people would come over suddenly was there and available and she wanted to be with the baby. And when my daughter would cry, she would come and get me if the cry was about food. If my baby was hungry, Mabel would tell me. And if my baby was crying and it had nothing to do with food, she would go and get my husband. And I thought, wow, thank you because it is the only way I got any sleep at all in those first six months is that I had an amazing cat that deciphered from day to what the different cries were 
in a way that I still couldn't do even as my daughter's mom. Like I, I could not, and I guess I didn't have to learn the difference between those cries, but it was amazing. And this brave cat suddenly would show up and hang out and almost be like the protector of my child when people would come and visit. And then the next year we moved in with my mother-in-law and we bought this new house and the new house was two stories and much bigger and open. And there was always a place. There's always a space here where she can go to run and hide. And that was another turning point where suddenly we could have gatherings with 40 people come to visit at this house. And Mabel wouldn't hide the whole time. She'd actually come and see people and even let them pet her. And I thought, wow, just the incredible turnaround and the bravery of this cat to show up and roll with life's changes to allow herself to become a part of our lives. And I say to be rescued. And I, it's so interesting because I know she was living a life and she had a life outside before us. And I feel like she, in a way, was tricked into becoming our house cat, but that she chose it also, that we became friends and we changed each other. And it's such a beautiful relationship. And I'm excited as she becomes even more open and trusting of us and our relationship that she now lets us actually pick her up and carry her a little bit. And that would never have happened four years ago. So she's just this incredible creature. And I gained so much from my friendship with her. And she makes me think about ah, being open to possibilities, being open to someone reaching out to want to connect to you the way that I wanted to reach out and connect to her. Something also that I want to share that I think you might find funny is that when we were still um, living with her outside, she hadn't come in yet. One night it was cold and dark and we thought she's probably hungry and we had gotten some cat kibbles and my husband opened the door to call her and called for Miss Mabel and Mabel came running, but she came with a possum. There's an opossum with her and the opossum is completely willing to just walk in our front door no questions asked, like, oh, there's food here, I'm coming in. And what what is going on? And Mabel is like, no, no, you don't go inside. She just they put the food down and then you eat it. And the possum's like, oh, how can I? I'm going inside. It's warm and there's food. It <laughs> It's such a funny memory. So we end up shooing the possum back outside with a broom. And the possum, of course, is offended, like, well, why can't I come in and be your friend? And truly, I do question that. Why not? But um, but we weren't befriending the possum, we were befriending Mabel. But it was really cool to know, you know, Mabel had other friends too. She hung out with these other animals, and she wasn't completely alone in the woods. And it makes it special that, you know, she chose to hang out with us, and that she continues to choose us, and that she doesn't seem keen on escaping, that she wants to be in our presence to follow us through the house. And it makes me really treasure her friendship, her presence, her joy, and her calm, and her ability to comfort and to know what's going on and contribute, even without speaking English, without words, that she understands what we're talking about and she knows the feelings and the sentiments behind it. So exciting. Ah, I wish you all 
an innocent connection like that and to see where you're impacting others and you're choosing them and they're choosing you and to really feel the pleasure and the joy of that, that there's a lot of situations that we get into where we're in dialogue and connection with others and we feel like, you know, it just happened to us or it's just what came up. And that is true. Just like with Mabel, you know, she just happened one day upon a house that happened to come out and give her tuna. And that was a stroke of luck. But the relationships that evolve and the way that we continue to interact with each other is a choice. And it's built between people. And it's built, you know, from our hearts and our spirit through our actions. What an incredible world we have and this opportunity we have to connect with each other and be able to connect across species, to just be a part of life and to experience that. May your life be full of wonder and really wonderful relationships. And I hope that you're able to reach out to someone you care about today and share with them how good they make you feel. And I'm going to love on Miss Mabel in my lap right now and appreciate her for being here with me for this journey so far and for becoming one of my best friends. Have a great day, everybody. Lots of love to you. Thanks so much for joining me. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and share it with someone you love and leave us a review. You can learn more and get some self-compassion tips and tricks by visiting coachwithblaze.com, where you can sign up to get my free booklet on overcoming anxiety, overwhelm, exhaustion, and burnout. I'm sending you so much appreciation and love, and I'll see you next time.